again, I want to welcome anybody that's here. Um, we're in this series called Deeper, and we're going through the book of 1 John. And uh, it's a challenging time, you know, as uh, John writes this, challenging you, challenging me to really uh, go deeper in our walk with Jesus Christ and talking about that relationship to go deeper. And I think, you know, this week is, is bittersweet for me because uh, obviously on October 1st was the one-year anniversary of my wife going to heaven. So uh, that's the bitter part. The, uh, the, today is the one-year anniversary of us getting into this building right here, and that's the sweet part. So, you know, there was a time on uh, Thursday as we get, or the first one, I can't remember the days now, when we gathered together, and uh, we, we went out, a few of the friends, and, you know, invited me to come out to the beach, and we went out early, and we watched the sunrise, you may have seen my post on Facebook about just uh, my wife, and I listed all these attributes of who she was in my life, you know, and I, 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 I sort of wanted to put an addendum there, like, hey, you know what, this isn't because... She's not with me anymore. And you know how people, you always, everything looks better when they're not with you or something. You know, it's like, oh no, she was really, but she was all of those things. Whether it was the joy or the love or the courage or the faith or whether it was uh, the selflessness or whether it was her just incredible uh, perseverance through trials or her humor or her wit, you know, all those things were who really Ash was. And so it wasn't something that we just made up out of thin air. It was really something that described who she was and what she was all about. And so that was the, you know, there's the memory part of that. And you're in the, that's that bitter. And then the sweet part is, wow, as Marilyn was pointing out, um, you know, my wife and I, when we started this church, it was her that named this church, you know, and, and, and that was that funny story of me wanting to name it something which, she felt like was not the right name, you know, because I wanted to call it Refresh. She thought that sounded like a woman's hygiene product. And so, <laughs> so I'm just being, so she looked at me with her English accent and said, oh no, love, we cannot call this Refresh. I will never go to church where it sounds like I have to think about tampons all the time. <laughs> That's how she said it, so... <laughs> So we didn't call it refresh, praise the Lord. We called it the cross. Because <laughs> she looked at me and she said, well, what about the cross, you know? Because don't we want to just be real? And don't we want to be about what it's really all about? I'm like, yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to be about what's the most important thing. It's the crucifixion of Jesus. The cross represents where Jesus died. And the cross is empty because Jesus rose again. And so that cross that we look at has incredible power. There was suffering on that cross, but when we look at it empty, we realize there is power in that cross. Amen? So we look and we realize that I know that a year ago, my wife's been in heaven for a year. So she is enjoying heaven for a year. I can't imagine what she's seen or what she's doing, but I know one thing, she is loving every minute of it. And if she could shout out to all of us, she would say, don't cry for me <laughs> because I am enjoying every aspect of what is going on. Now, we cry because we miss her and her presence and who she was. And we miss, you know, that companionship of that character of that person. But man, I rejoice in knowing that 
to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, and all because of the cross. Amen? That's it. Yeah. So we, we get together... And we realize we're in this building and a year ago, God did this miracle to come into this building and now we're in this place for a year. And, I, and here's the thought in my head, it's Philippians 1.6, that He who has begun a good work, man, guess what? He is faithful to complete that work until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what? He began a good work in you as a Christian that day you became a Christian, wherever that may be. And if you're not a Christian here, man, we're glad you're here. But here's what I want you to know. God loves you and he has sent his son to die for you so that you could, he could begin a good work in you and he could begin that work to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ because that work is what he's doing in your life, but it's also what he's doing in my life and it's also what he's doing in this church because all of us together, make up this thing called the church it's not this building it's not the bricks and mortar it's us the people that come together the people of Jesus the body of Christ we come together and we worship him and together we are the church and so I believe that God wants to continue to do a great work and I'm confident of this as Paul said that he who began that work is going to be faithful to complete it. And I believe he's going to do that right here with this church because we're only a year into this building and I think, wow, Lord, what are you going to do in the next year? And how will you change our lives? But here's what I know. I know that it takes really for us, our, our, our mantra, our, our goal is, hey, it's one by one. It's one by one, man. Yeah, I hope that when you walk in here, you feel welcome and that it's not just, and it will never change, that it will always be, hey, they're first time guests, it's welcome one by one. It's those people that come in here that feel like, yeah, I'm a part of this because I'm a part of the body of Christ or man, I'm seeking after God and I want to know who he is in my life and I want to figure that out and, and, and when you enter into that relationship with him, well, then you become part of this church if you would, this people, these people that come together. And then one by one, we continue to minister to others. As Gibson was saying, hey man, let's pray for that boldness to share the gospel. Why? Because it's got the power of salvation to anyone who believes, man. And we can't be ashamed of that. And one by one, we'll see lives be changed. And one by one, I know each of you, if maybe you've had some sort of, man, I had an experience with Christ where he changed my life. And it's one by one. And that's what we want to continue to do here in this church as we continue to go through the cross, but one by one. But here's what I know, and here's what the reality of life is, is that there is so much stuff that can get in the way of you and I walking with Jesus in a real and powerful way. You know, it's, it's the temptations of the world, it's the allures, it's everything that's going on. And, you know, I believe that, yeah, God is going to complete it and He's faithful, but I believe you and I, as 2 Timothy 2.20, if you want to keep your place in 1 John, just look at with me real quick. We're going to look at this quick verse in 2 Timothy 2.20, which is basically to the left of where you are in, in 1 John and keeping your place there, of course, and then we'll kick, kick over to 2 Timothy 2.20. And this is the verse... But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. 
If you're saying, I don't have any gold and silver, I must not have a great house. Um, he, he's talking, you got a lousy house like me. Okay, I don't have that. Okay, vessels. But he, he's saying, man, in this, in this house, in this great house, there, you know, this probably large and great and wonderful house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, and that would be what we never pull out until you have guests. Maybe it's Thanksgiving. That would be like your china. So you've got these vessels of gold and silver, you know, it's the stuff we never really use, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Yeah, it's there's some in those circumstances that you would have the these are the special dishes or the bowls or whatever that we're going to serve to the people whereas this stuff we're using for the garbage or maybe that's the dog bowl or whatever but we're gonna we're not using that for this but yet if I could cleanse myself man guess what I can be that vessel of honor because all I got to do is if I cleanse myself from the latter if I say oh I'm going to walk from that sin I'm going to walk from that garbage I'm going to walk from that refuge and I'm going to walk towards the refuge of Christ I'm going to be a vessel of honor and God will use me in a greater way and what happens is you know it's it's as if if I had you over to my house, and when we had our dog Coco, for instance, if I was sitting down for dinner, and, and you know, I said, oh man, you know, now that Ash is in heaven, man, all my, all my dishes are dirty, so uh, let me go ahead and get my dog bowl, and let me just quickly wipe it out, and here, why don't you all serve you the soup in that? You're going, yeah, right, I'm, I'm leaving your house, I'm not even eating. Well, that's because it's not a vessel of honor, and then, but I... Now, some of you go, I wouldn't eat that even if you put it in the dishwasher. I had somebody the other day go, well, I mean, I wouldn't either. I, I just like, isn't that the dog bowl? Isn't that what that's supposed to be for? But you, you can spiritually get cleansed up. And you and I, we can become these vessels of honor. And here's the key, that we'll be useful for the master prepared for every good work. Yeah, I believe God wants to use you for great works. See, he who began a good work in you wants to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But part of that is not letting this world rob us. The enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Man, we can't let him rob us of what God wants to do in our lives. And that's where John comes in, in 1 John. If you kick over there to 1 John, because he's going to write today in chapter 2, and we're going to continue in this deeper, and this is going to be deeper love part 2, or it's... uh, Part de for the French or dos for the Spanish. And so here we go. And this is deeper love. This is a different love. This is obviously, this is a love that God doesn't want us to have. And we want to keep that love for God so that we don't have this love for the world. And this is what he says in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. John is writing and he's saying, hey, I'm going to today give you this picture of why you want to love God and you don't want to have this love of the world because if you love the world, guess what? The love of God is not in you. It's like you're not really loving God. 
And, and, and what, what is it that this is challenging us to do and what are we going to pull from this today? Well, really, I'm going to kind of divert from this and look at three different scriptures that were part of Ash and I's favorite in our lives and what it meant to us as we started this church. And we're going to see um, how this love of God will change our lives as a church, as individuals, and what we'll do. Because if we know the love of God, man, we're not going to want to have the love of the world. So pray with me. Father, we thank you for this love. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for this church. I thank you for all these people here. I thank you, God, that you're doing a work in this place. And by the power of your spirit, Lord, you are are moving. And we thank you, God, for uh, just the presence of you here. I thank you for my wife who represented so well. I thank you that, Lord... Her spirit truly does carry on this vision in, this, in so many people's lives here. As she's impacted so many, we thank you for her. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together now and dig in your word and focus on how you want us to not get impacted by this world so that our lives, Lord, we could be vessels of honor so that we could be people who love you with everything we got. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, as some of you know, I was in the modeling business before I really got into ministry. And so when I was in the modeling business full time, I had the privilege and blessing of really traveling all over the world and doing all sorts of crazy shoots and crazy places. And one thing about advertising, it it is all about the image. So we would fly to the most obscure, exotic locations and you would have the best clothes, or we would rent out the most beautiful home, and you would have a car that was an antique car or something, they would bring it in for the day, so we would have it all set up, so we'd have the clothes, and then there'd be a beautiful girl that would come along, and so we would have all of it, and and I am, here I am, standing all jeeked out in front of the house with the car and the girl, and I don't own any of it, right? But I am making you know that when you look at the ad, it looks like I am the man. You know what I'm saying? It's like you look at it and you're like, man, all right, I want, to, I want that. That's advertising. Because what you don't know is I'm all pinned up in the back. I got tape. My pants are cut. My, you, know, you can't see all that stuff. But it's all, it's all like, okay, well, let's make sure we put some makeup on you. Let's go ahead and make sure we powder you. No, not me. My skin was perfect. But no. But, you know, you, you have, you, you know you're, you're making sure we want to brand this. We want to image this. We want to sell this. Why? Well, because it's exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life to try to get you off track, to be really somebody who really, truly doesn't want to be this vessel of honor because what John says, and it's interesting, don't love the world or the things in the world. And if you're new to the Bible, you could look at that and go, I don't even get that. Didn't John 3.16 said that God so loved the world? I mean, that he gave his only begotten son? Why would you say don't love the world if you just said, John? I mean, come on, what's up? Well, he's not saying don't love the world as in the people of the world that God referred to, as Jesus said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him 
would not perish but have everlasting life. No, he's not talking about that world. He's not talking about the people of this world, nor is he talking about, man, the ocean, which I love. We were out there watching the sunrise. Ash and I's favorite spot was the beach, and so it was awesome to be out there. It's not, I can't, it's not like, oh, I can't love the ocean now that I'm a Christian. I can't love parts of what he's created. No, 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 he's not talking about that either. What he's talking about is the world system, the values. It's the things that really go against who God is. It's those things where you, and if you were to habitually love this world, these things, these attitudes and values that totally disregard God and are totally, obviously, against God, that if I am in love with that, well, then the love of God really can't be in me. Because if I'm in love with all this stuff that they're offering, and of course, he says it this way, it's, if you do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we know James 4, 4 says, hey, if you have a love for the world, it's enmity or hatred towards God. It's like if I love, so, so help me understand. So it's this system, it's all these things, but he answers in 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's everything that I described when we're doing a modeling shoot. It's the lust of the flesh, it's the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Because everybody has these deep cravings inside that, hey, they, the, that we, oh, I got to have that. The flesh has to have that. And then when you see something, you got to have it. Or it's that if I have it, well, then I am somebody and I can boast about it and I can have it. It's just like Eve in the garden. Remember, Satan came to her and, and basically was lying to her. And so even though God said, do not eat from this tree, it's the only tree in the garden that you can't eat from Eve. It's the only one that you can't grab a piece of fruit from. But it looks so good. And it looked good. And, and then, of course, Satan said, oh, did he tell you that that would really, I mean, are you kidding me that you think that that is going to, it will only make you like God. So now there's the pride part. There's the, oh, I'm hungry part. There's the, oh, it looks good to my eye part. And that's where sin can happen. So you see, we're at that place where if I love the world, well, man, I can't have this love of God in me. And then John's just saying, well, yeah, I, it's that three-point, you know, it's the pre-point strategy of Satan. To, hey, it's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we get faced with that every day. You get faced with that. You get faced with that on Instagram every day. You know, you could be checking your Instagram, and it's all, it can be lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's like, oh, man, I think I love social media, man. I love it. Let me tell you, I love using it for our church. I love using it. And, and I've told you before, I'm not great at Facebook. It's like following up friend. I'm not the best friend in the world, but I try my best. But anyway, I love the usage of social media. But here's the deal. What I find with social media is it can be one of these things that can totally rob you of really contentment. Because you could be looking at somebody's pictures and you could be like, Oh, wow, that's awesome. Look where they're at. Wow, I wish I was in Tortula. I wish I was there on the... Wow, that is so cool. That was a little reference to the Edwards uh, honeymoon. And so, uh, yeah. Did you notice Ethan was much happier today? I don't know what it is, but he was like way happier. And, hey, let's worship Jesus. Come on, guys. <laughs> He's just slapping everybody. Come on, let me bang that drum louder today. It's like, whoa, this guy's coming crazy. Yeah. Well, he's in Tortula. Hello. You can watch it on Instagram. He's got, you know, can't watch all of it, but you can watch some of it. 
But he had a good time. But here's the thing. You can look at that stuff, you guys. You can start looking at all these people's Instagram posts or Facebook posts, and you can get totally depressed because you start feeling like your life just stinks. Because you're like, I can't believe they get to do that. I can't believe. Wow, they got money to do that. I don't have that kind of money. Where's God in my book? I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening. Where is that? And wow, look at that outfit. Look at those shoes. I can't believe those are nice shoes. Wow. I, I encourage you. I say, hey, be very careful. Because if you walk away and you, it, you know, if you use it and you're like, oh man, I'm so psyched. I love that. And if you like something and you really mean it, that's awesome. But if you like it and you go, man, I want that. <laughs> be careful because that's that covetousness spirit, that lust of the eyes. It's like, oh, I got to have it. And now what it does is it makes you less content in where you're at. It's interesting, right? Because had you never looked at that post, you would have never known that they were doing what they were doing or how much clothes they had or how much money they had or any of that stuff. You'd have never known it. Imagine if you didn't have social media, you wouldn't know there is an island of Tortula. <laughs> you would not know all of these different. And so the idea is, wow, okay, now I want the information, and, but I still want to walk in the spirit. So I want to love God because when the world comes at us, because we can't step out of the world. It's not like, okay, I'm going to live in this box and everything around me, I'm just going to walk around. Oh, I can't go over there because that would be bad. Oh, I can't go over there. No, man. I have the power of Jesus Christ in my life. I want to live with the power of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with having things. But if my love for those things or that money or whatever it may be overpowers my love for God, that's when there's a problem. Because God wants to work in and through you. But what happens in our lives is we can get so caught up in what others may have or what others, what I don't have and what they have and how do I figure all this out? And, and so you and I, we have the opportunity to love God because I don't want us to ever be at that place where we're so stuck on, man, I love this, I love that, and uh, I, I, it's, it's overshadowing my love for God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. In other words, the world's saying, this is what you should buy. This is what you should have. This will give you peace and happiness. Yeah, it'll give you joy. No, it won't give you joy. It'll give you peace. Oh, no, really, maybe for a moment, but then maybe it wears out or it breaks down or the, your clothes get shrunk or something happens and then you have to redo the whole thing. So it's like a vicious cycle because the happiness is never going to be fulfilled. So John is saying, listen, it's not going to be of the Father because the, the, the love we have for God is going to last forever. In fact, verse 17, the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. It's like everything you can get in this world is going to disappear. It's all going to be gone. As was said earlier, life is but a mist. It's here for a moment, then it's gone. And so we look and we realize, wow, if, I, if I'm holding on to things that are so important and, and I, I, that, that I feel like, man, I got to have that new car. Well, I got to get that. Man, is that the new outfit or is that that new house? Or I want to keep up with the Joneses or I want to actually beat the Joneses because I want to have a better life than the Joneses. And so what I want to do is I want to make sure that I can post as many good Instagram pictures and show other people where I'm at because that's my pride of life. And then I've already got the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes because that's the way the world would try to trap us, man. 
Not the people, it's the system. Satan is the prince of this world, man. Do you understand that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy? He is prowling like a roaring lion. And as I started this study, how can we be vessels of honor? We have to be very cautious that we're not so consumed with this world that we are not, man, totally converted or conformed by Jesus in our lives. His love is what changes us. His love for him is what's going to make us different. You know, it was a great missionary who was martyred for his faith as he went to the tribe of the Anka Indians and his wife would write uh, great books. His name was Jim Elliott and he was speared to death by these people who he was trying to minister to and his wife continued to go and minister to them and and many people got saved in that village. But he said, quote, "Um, he is no fool. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to get what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to get what he cannot lose. So we can hold on tightly to everything we have in this world. But the world's passing away. You know, it's, it's all going to disappear. And we don't see the end result. Like you... We think, well, I'm going to live and live and live and live. But we really don't know because your days are fashioned for you. They're written in a book. I didn't think my wife would be in heaven for the last year. You know, you don't know what kind of days you have left or I have left. We just have to realize, wow, if I'm so consumed by the love of this world, then it's going to ruin perhaps my love of God. But as again... John's writing to Christians, and we know that because the prior verses, he's talking to the children and the teens and the older fathers, and he's, and he's encouraging them in their faith. And in the same way, we're Christians, we're here at a church, some of you are Christians, some of you may not be, but John is basically saying, listen, if, if you're loving this more than you're loving God, then that love for God in you is really not there. And, and, and really, it, it, it's going to rob you of that relationship that you could have because you're so caught up in those things that the world has to offer that you're missing out on the greatness of God. And that's the illusion. Because what the world says it has seems really better. Because the sin seems fun, or the money seems fun, or the fame seems fun, or all these things that we strive for that, man, if I could just get that, and if you consume by that, man, if that consumes you, and you're not consumed by your love for God, well then what will happen is, you and I, we will then never, I don't believe, ever fulfill what God wants us to do. Yes, I believe He'll complete the work in us, but I don't believe it'll be the great work that I believe He wants you and I to do. And I want to challenge you as Christians that God wants to do a great work in your life. I don't want, He doesn't want to do a mediocre work. He doesn't want to do an okay work. I believe God wants to do a great work. And if you want to live above the line of, well, that mediocrity in your life, then you need to say, all right, Lord, what can I change? And if my love for you is not so great that this world is consuming me, and amen, if everything I do, if your job, it, it is it is a gift from God. So is it really fueling you to even reach those other people? We've got to look at our lives and say, all right, Lord, how can I be different? And I think part of that being different would be to discover what would this deeper love for God do for me? And so this is that deeper love part two. And the first verse that Ash and I loved in our lives was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And if you go there real quick, it's in your Old Testament, Jeremiah 29 Verse 11, and the point of this is, is when you have this love for God, this loving God will lead us to our purpose, leads us to our purpose. 
And I want to give you the context of this because a lot of times this is your favorite uh, verse and I've shared this with you before, but the context is the, the, the people are in captivity. They're in prison for 70 years of captivity. They're going to be there. They're discouraged. They're downcast. They, they are not freed up. But yet, God has a word for them, just like He has a word for you today. Because I don't know what's going on in your life, if it's a marriage difficulty, if it's a financial difficulty, if it's a problem, whatever, and you feel like God has maybe forgotten you, and this could be that word for you that, yeah, you know what, I, I'm faithful to complete, I, I want to complete the good work in you. And this is what he says, this is what Jeremiah said, 29, we'll start in, in verse, I'm going to start in verse 8, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, don't let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which cause you to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, so they're still there in captivity, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you return to this place. For I know the thoughts, that's the plan or purpose, that's how that's translated. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. There's this expected end. It's a future and a hope. It's this, hey, I know the thoughts, the plans that I have toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. You see, when I am in love with the Lord, when I say, all right, Lord, I wake up. All right, God, what do you have for me? I want his plans in my life. You see, I want his ways. I may be like the Psalmist David that says, show me your ways, O God. You know, show me what you want me to do. I won't be so consumed by, well, I got to, that's it. Well, I'm going to get that. Well, I'm going to get that. And I got to make sure I have all that. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with working hard, making money, doing their thing, even rising up in the ranks. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your love and your passion is all about that, to prove to others or to have stuff, then habitually what will happen is you are in love with this world and the love of God would not be in you. And so this is that context where we see, man, I may be in a dire strait or this dire need and God would say ah but I have a great hope for you I have a great hope in what is going on because I have these thoughts these plans for you says the Lord thoughts of peace not of evil to give you a future and a hope and you wonder if if they thought I can't I don't know what's God going to do is he just going to I mean he's probably going to do something wicked to us because he had to say thoughts of peace not of evil I mean, have you been thinking I'm going to do something crazy? <laughs> Are you thinking I'm going to like really be nasty to you? Are you thinking I'm going to like pull the rug out from under you? Because sometimes we can think that, right? You ever been like every life is going so great and you're thinking, yeah, I'm just waiting for something to go wrong. You ever been there? You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, just because, you know, can't be going great all the time. I mean, <laughs> you know, but then you had a season of life. Have you ever had a season of life where it's just, wow, this is bad. And you, you, how many, go ahead and go ahead and have therapy with me right now. There you go. All right, good. Yeah, you, you, you have that season of life. You may be in that season of life right now where it just seems like one thing after the other is going on. I remember my wife had cancer, right? So we find out about that. So we're trying different treatments. We're doing all these different things. A lot of different things were happening there. Then her mom 
from South Africa, she ends up dying of cancer like quickly. It was just this radical thing they found out. And so she dies. And then it was a few months later, my dad dies. And then, obviously, it was not long after that in the same year that my wife went to heaven. And I'm thinking, this was not a good year. (laughs) And I can laugh about it now, but in the midst of it, you're going, all right, Lord, what do you got? Oh, Greg, don't worry. I have plans. I have a purpose. It's thoughts of peace, not of evil, Greg. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. You could say, yeah, but you're without your wife, you're without your dad, you got, don't have your mother-in-law. And she was a nice mother-in-law, so that's an okay thing. <laughs> Some of you are going, well, that's a good plus, right? No, no, it's not. It's not, it's not a good thing, please. People are evil. People are evil even thinking that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm at that place where I realize, you know what? God still wants to do a great work. I am not going to doubt, even though my wife's in heaven. I mean, I guarantee Ashley, if, I don't know how heaven works, but I guarantee Ashley's going, Jesus, did you help out Greg today? <laughs> Every day. Because my girl was so selfless. Like, she was always thinking about me. You know, that was the whole idea. Like, it was just always, always, always about me. So I don't doubt. Like, it's like, all right, make sure you put out your plans because uh, did you put Greg on your list today? Because he needs to hook it up. You know, the cross church, bless that church. Yeah. Yeah, you see, I believe that God wants to do that in your lives individually because whatever season you may be going through, man, it's painful, it's hurtful. But if we have a love for God and we start saying, all right, I'm not going to love that so much or that so much, let me change this up because that stuff is probably causing me, honestly, it's causing me to feel a little bit less about trying to reach out to God than it is me wanting to make sure that I have enough money in the bank or whatever it may be. You know, I saw this cartoon the other day. I, don't, I forget who showed it to me. It was really funny. But there was a little girl, and she had a little dress on. She looked really cute. She's sideways. And she has a little teddy bear. It's about this big. Little cute little teddy bear. It's a cute little teddy bear. And so she's holding the teddy bear like this. And then you had, you know, Jesus on the other side. Obviously, Jesus was like the Swedish Jesus, you know, with the typical, like, brown hair, you know, but blonde, blonde, it was like blondish brown hair with blue eyes, you know. It's like, yes, Jesus was Swedish. No, he wasn't. So, but anyway, so he's got, like, the white robe. And so he's there, and he's got a big smile and, like, glistening. And, and he's sitting there, and above the caption, it says, you know, just trust me. And, and behind Jesus is this huge teddy bear that he's hiding behind him. Like it's almost as big as him, but he's hiding behind his back. And she's just like, no, I love this right here. This is what I want. I thought, wow, that is such a good illustration of how we are sometimes, right? Because we are holding on to what we know. And God is saying, oh man, but if you just let me work in you, If you just trust me, if you just say, Lord, I am yours, I sing it as a song, but Lord, I mean it right now. Lord, I'm going to go ahead and trust you for your purpose in my life. I guarantee you, God has something much greater than what you could think about. Because we we think on a different plane. His thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. His ways are way higher than our ways. And so whatever it may be happening in your life, 
Don't let this world rob you of your love for God. And don't let it rob you of finding that purpose that he has for you. Because what will happen is the more you get controlled by this world, the less you're relying upon God. And the less you rely upon God, what will happens is I'm missing out on just talking to him and saying, well, Lord, should I go through this door or should I go through that door? Should I actually seek you for this, Lord? Should I walk over here? Should I take this job? Because now we start relying upon ourselves. because, man, well, I've already got the cash. I got the big house. I got the car and I got my GQ'd outfit on because I got it all. And now I'm relying on something that will pass away. And God has got the big teddy bear going, hey man, just trust me. Come on, just trust me. And we're like, no, 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 no. I got to hold on to this. The second thing is this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you turn to the New Testament now, uh, 2 Corinthians is after the book of Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And then you get into Corinthians. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is that powerful story of where Paul has, you know, he had a vision of heaven. He couldn't tell anybody about it. It's indescribable. He couldn't say the words uh, because he heard inexpressible words. And, and, he, and God gave Paul, this is Paul who is this radical disciple of Jesus. He wasn't even around when Jesus was alive, but Jesus appeared to him on this road to Damascus, and he had a life-changing empowerment of, the, of Jesus and his life on this road to Damascus, because what happened was Paul was really literally killing Christians, and he was at the place where he's persecuting him, he's putting him in prison, and here he is, this man who is full of himself and everything else. And Jesus, on that road to Damascus, just humbles him. And at that road, he's like, my Lord, my God. And at that point, he's, he has this powerful experience with the Lord where he becomes born again of the Spirit. His life changes. But through that, he, he writes, he's written, written most of the New Testament, but he had incredible trials, incredible pains. You know, he was in danger everywhere. He was shipwrecked three times. He was whipped many times. He had all sorts of problems going on in his life. So now, here's Paul, and he gets this vision as he's in heaven. Some people think it's when he was almost, you know, stoned to death. And basically, it was, it was when he was, they thought he was dead. And, and here's Paul getting a vision of heaven, but then he comes back to his body. But we don't know exactly. We just know Paul had the vision of heaven. He didn't write a book. He didn't do a DVD series. He didn't like do, hey, for $10.99 a month, I'll share with you my visions of heaven. He didn't do any of that. He kept it quiet. Little tip in case you see those people saying, well, I know what it's like. Paul knew what it was like too, but he didn't tell anybody. I don't even understand. We can't even get it. But here's the thing that happened. In fact, Paul had this thorn in his flesh, something that was, you know, causing him. So that he says in verse Three, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise, heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, I will boast, yet of myself, I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest, and here's the key, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. 
So he's the guy, he's writing about himself, basically. I'm the guy, he's the guy who got caught up into heaven. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So there was something going on in his life. You have something that maybe a sickness or something, and you're like, man, this is never, I, it won't go away. Paul, we think maybe it was his eyesight. He had eye problems. There was difficulties. Maybe it was that. It could have been something totally different. But we know one thing for sure. It was enough that he cried out to God, Lord, can you take this away? Please take this away. And he believed, believe me, Paul was a, a man of incredible faith. And he said to me, verse 9, and this is the one you can underline, and this is Jesus saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah, my grace is sufficient for you, Jesus says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, I believe that when you have this love for God, He will lead you through the pain. Yeah, because if I am so caught up in this world and I have this love of that, well then, man, none of that is going to lead me through. It might buy me a better doctor. It may get me to a a better hospital. But you know what? My love for God, He is going to lead me through the pain. And what happens here, the pain within, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect weakness. When you are weak, that's when you're strongest. And when you're weak and you have this relationship with God and you have this love for God, man, that is when the the power of the presence of Jesus Christ comes in your life and you are able to then represent Him wherever you go. This week was a hard week. There were days just remembering my wife where I just started weeping, you know? I started crying a little bit, just Marilyn said, you know, there's that trigger. But how is it, how is it possible you keep going on? Oh, this is when I'm weak. That's when I'm strong. Because I, I love God. I love Jesus. I want to be empowered by Him. I can't have this world give me the power to get through this. There are no words. There is no, hey, pat you on the back. No, it is a power that is undeniable and it is a power that is, well, I would say supernatural that you and I will only understand when we are going through weakness and we're going through something in your life, you realize, how do I carry on like this? Well, this, this is how you do it. Uh, in, this, in this world, Jesus promised, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You're going to have it. Do you know what's great? In the midst of your weakness, God pours out His strength to you and His grace. And Jesus, in the midst of that, gives you the strength to continue to go forward. Why? Because He's got a good work for you and for me. He's faithful to complete what He started. He's not forgotten me. He's not forgotten this church. It wasn't 
a year ago that, well, that's it. We got to close shop. No, no, no. God's still moving and still working. And it's not because of me. It's because of his strength poured out amongst not just me, but amongst our team, because many of my team were dear friends of Ash. So we had to walk through that together. But I say to you, whatever trial you're going through, and you may say, well, it's nothing compared to that, or maybe it's even worse than that. It doesn't matter. God cares about where you're at, right where you're at. And he wants to strengthen you right where you're at. But the more I am in love with him, the more I walk with him, the more I am, Lord, okay, what is it you want to do in my life? The more that he is going to lead me through that pain and give me the strength to persevere. Because we can tend to hold on to things before we hold on to God. And we run to stuff before we run on to the one who is the son of God, the one who can really give you the strength. And I just want to encourage you, don't run during the trial. Don't run during the pain. But make sure that you run towards Jesus and you trust in him with everything you got. The last thing I have for you is this. It's Ephesians chapter 3. And this is our church verse, theme verse, if you would. Ephesians 3. And this would be, when I'm loving God, man, I'm gonna, He's going to lead me into a walk of faith. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the last one, but it is, it is that picture of, man, when I'm, I'm loving God, it's, I want to I walk by faith. And here's, here's what Paul, this is a great prayer that Paul wants to pray for us, for anybody, we can pray for each other. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees, this is verse 14, sorry, chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory. God owns more than everything. It's His glory. It's, His glory is more valuable than Bill Gates and Carl Icahn and, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg all together, you know, which is probably over about $200 billion worth of net worth. But yet, God's riches of His glory, it's not financial. It's a totally different kind of glory. It's a totally different kind of riches. And, and he's saying, according to the riches of his glory, you, to be strengthened, that we would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I love that verse. Come on now. That's like, yeah, that's good. I want to be strengthened with all might in my inner man. I want Christ to dwell in my heart through faith. I want to be rooted and grounded in love. I want to comprehend how much God loves me, basically, to know the love of Jesus Christ. And here it is, verse 19. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him, and this is our verse, to Him, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, it's to Him who is able. To Him who is able to do all those things. To Him who is able 
And when you love God, you start realizing as you get into his word, you'll start realizing to whom you're actually loving. And I've shared that with you before. It's, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you. You can take it down for note. Isaiah 44, check it out. Verse 6, it says this. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let Him declare it and set it order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. God declares himself. He's like, basically, I'm the man. (laughs) I am God. It's like there is no other. And when you come to know him in verse 20, now to him who is able. Why is he able? Because he's God. Because he's able to do anything. He parted the Red Sea. He heals the lame and the leper. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. You know, Jesus, when, when there was a fig tree that he had cursed and the disciples came by and, and basically, you know, it was just an illustration. We don't need to get into it. But in the morning as they walked by, they, they saw the fig tree. This is Mark chapter 11. You don't have to turn there. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Crazy verse. It's like, man, he, he curses a fig tree, it dies. It's like, man, if you, if you actually say to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, yeah, it'll be done. You believe it. It's like, now, I don't think he's talking about, I remember when I, I had this great shoot, and I, forgive me, this is like the most modeling reference I ever made, but I was in Europe at Mount Blanc, which is like 15,000 feet, and we're shooting up there, incredible, they have hiking in the summer and skiing and all sorts of things, but uh, imagine, I don't think Jesus meant like, well, let's pray Mount Blanc comes to Florida, wouldn't that be great? Like, let's just move it to Florida, we got skiing, we got the ocean, it's like perfect, it'd be great, right? No, I don't think that's what he's talking about, but he is saying to you and I, Do you have faith to believe that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think? I mean, do you really believe that he wants to work in and through you? Do you believe he wants to pull you out of the depths of despair in your marriage? Do you believe he wants to pull you out of the financial chaos that's going on in your life? Do you believe he wants to pull you out of the sexual sin that you're in or the addiction that you may be in or the struggles, whatever that may be? Do you believe that he wants to pull you out and shine you with grace and pour out his strength upon you so that in your weakness that you're strong and that you believe that, Lord, I believe you're going to take me to a whole new place and I'm not going to stay in the same area, but no, Lord, you are going to take me deeper into this love with you because you have a purpose and a plan. And that purpose is is one that is greater for me. But if it leads to pain, you'll still lead me through that pain. And in the process, as you lead me through the pain, you're going to help me to walk in faith because as I walk in faith, man, and not by sight, now I'm representing who God is in my life. And now I realize, man, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask. And that is where we have to be as a church, as, as a people. Like, oh man, what could God do here? Well, it starts with one by one. What could He do with you? What could He do with you? What could He do with you? Are you a vessel of honor? 
Are you ready to get cleaned up if you're not? Are you saying, man, there's stuff in my life that would keep me from ever being a vessel of honor? Is there too much world in your life that you need to let go? Then let's clean house. Or if you're here and you just don't even know Jesus yet, do you, do you not know that He loves you so much that He would die for you, for your sins, for mine, and He would give His life up for you so that you could have the promise of eternal life? If that's you today, whatever circumstance it is, we want to pray for you because we want to be a people who love God with everything we got. Let this world fade away. Because the more I hold on to Jesus, the more I hold on to his love, man, the more I realize, wow, that is really where you get your strength from. That is where I'm going to get my answers from. That's where my path is going to unfold. That's where I'm going to learn to walk in faith. That's where I can take that verse, Ephesians 3.20, and not just make it a cute little verse I can text to somebody, but I can actually live it out of my life and believe, you know what? I'm going to trust God for this. I believe He can do exceedingly abundantly above all I ask or think. I'm not going to doubt what God can do. And I believe that for this church. He can do exceedingly abundantly above anything we even started to believe back a year and a half ago. And here we are today. And I would say that God wants to do that work in us and in you. And so let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the challenge for us. Lord, to go deeper. Lord, to not be people who are so conformed by this world But Lord, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We don't want to have this world rob us from being everything that we could be, that we would be people who really, truly are open, honored vessels, Lord, to say, Jesus, use us for great things. Let each person hear. Lord, if there's something they're struggling with, if right now they're saying, hey, there is something in my life that is keeping me from that love. And there's something, Lord, that you want to do because I know that you want to do great things in each person here. And so, God, I pray for everybody here today that if somebody here, if you're here today, you say, man, please pray for me because uh, I, 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 am this, I love Jesus, but man, at the same time, There's this tug on me in the world, in the system, and I'm finding my my desire for God is less and my desire for this world is more. If you want me to pray for you, just lift up your hand and I'll pray for you. That's it. And you shine it to God and you say, yeah, pray for me that that would be it. All right. So let me pray for those that are lifting up their hands. God, we just pray for the people that lift up their hands and say, hey, Lord, I want to be sold out for you. And so I pray that you would Empower them to not only know you, but to lay their life before you and say, I am not going to get caught up in the things of this world, Lord. I'm going to say no. I'm going to draw near to you, God. I'm going to resist the devil, and he'll flee from me. And so, Lord, I pray you give them the strength to do that, to be able to walk by faith and not by sight, to be able to trust you that, Lord, you have this purpose and plan that is way greater than anything they've ever dreamed of. And so, Lord, I pray for them that you would help them to walk away from whatever maybe they may be struggling with and that you would give them the strength to say no to it. And as a church, that we would rise up to be different, that we wouldn't just be like every other Christian, but we would be 
somebody unique, Lord, in your hands. We're pliable, Lord. We're willing to let you be the potter and we're the clay and you're going to mold us and shape us to be somebody that is totally different next week and the week after and the month after. And so, Lord, forgive us for whatever we have put in our lives that has caused us to, to really walk away from the love of you and perhaps try to join into this love of this world. And Lord, protect us that we wouldn't have that love in our heart, but that our love for you would only grow in the days and weeks to come. That this week, every day, we would just be like, oh man, I want to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. So Lord, help us to have that love, to recognize who you are, that you are able. And and Lord, I want to pray for anybody that is in a position of despair right now and they feel like you have forgotten them. They feel like you have have not heard their cry. And so, Lord, may you lift up their heart. May you lift up their spirit. May you encourage them to know that you are with them. May you give them an answer to the, the, the questions they're asking. And perhaps you already have, Lord, but maybe they're refusing to take that. But I pray you would give them discernment on what they need to do and that you would have your hand upon each and every person. I pray for the marriages in this church, God, that those, those marriages that are under attack, that the enemy is trying to rip off and destroy. I want to pray, Lord, that you would please let their love for you just so shine that their love for one another would be rekindled and reconciled. So do a mighty and miraculous work in this place, in this church. And Lord Jesus, if there's somebody here that hasn't even started that relationship with you, if they don't even know this unbelievable love that you have for them, that they could be forgiven of whatever they brought in here, that your death on the cross pays a price for anyone's sins, Lord, I pray that you would help them even now to just say, yeah, I want to I start that relationship with Jesus. If that's you today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you've never been forgiven your sins, and today is that day where you figured out, man, God loves me, he cares about me, uh, I want to follow him. If you're here today and that's you, just lift up your hand and say, yeah, I want to I do that. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? If you're here today and you say yes to Jesus and you start that relationship with him, we want to pray for you as well. God, I want to lift up anybody that is here that says, yes, Lord, I'm going to come to you and I want your presence in my life. God, I pray that you would empower each person here, Lord, to know you better, that your presence would be in their lives. God, we thank you. We thank you for each person here. We thank you for what you're doing. God, may you just continue to work in and through us in this church, we pray, and we ask it all in Jesus' name.